helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. You had the butterflies. They swept you off your feet and you couldn't wait until the next time you saw each other. The first kiss was electric. You happily walked down that aisle to say your I do's and walked back after your first kiss as Mr. and Mrs. Arm in Arm, ready to take on the world and to start your happily ever after, together like this forever. Now fast forward to today. Do you still have that gleam in your eye when you look at them? Do you look forward to having a night alone together? Or do you find yourself rearranging or filling your schedule so you don't have to spend time together? Are you beginning to second-guess the vows that you took? If this sounds like you or someone you know, I really encourage you to stay with us today because we'll be talking about signs that you may be in a loveless marriage, and more importantly, how you can get help. I want to welcome you to today's show. My name is Melissa Waggett, and I am the co-host of the Life Transformation Show, and I'm so happy that you've decided to join us today. This show is hosted by Elam Counseling Services, and if you want to find out more about Elam, I encourage you to go to our website at elamcounselingministry.com. Elam is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. Or you can call us toll-free at one 544 Three five four six. While you're on our website, I encourage you to look at the other services we offer. We are a nonprofit organization who strive to provide professional counseling services for everyone that may require it. So as a result, we do have a program where we can offer our professional counseling services at a subsidized rate if you happen to need it. So while you're there, check out these services. And if you have any questions, we encourage you to call us at that toll-free number, one 544 Three five four six, And if you have just joined us for the first time to the show, we want to welcome you. And again, on that website, we have copies of all our past po- podcasts that are available for you to listen anytime and to hopefully learn and enrich your life. And so today in studio with me is the host of this show. He is the director of Elam Counseling Services. He's also an award-winning psychotherapist who lends his talents to us each and every week as we delve into these topics. His name is Michael Hart, and I have the privilege of joining him in studio today to talk about this topic about loveless marriages. And as I said, most importantly, how we can get help for ourselves. Welcome, Michael. Thank you very much, Melissa. And this is such an important topic because as part of the work that I do, I I meet with many couples, many Christian couples, Christian from all uh, stage of the Christian walk, new believers, but also pastors and uh, senior members in their congregations. I meet with people from all across that spectrum who are struggling in their relationships because they are at a point where the love just isn't there. And I'm not talking necessarily about the feelings of butterfly in your stomach that you had that first time that you met because uh, those feelings will go but there is a, a there are some things that are happening in that relationship that uh makes it quite evident that there is no love and we're going to explain as we go through and we look at seven signs of a loveless marriage what we mean uh when we say that the marriage is loveless and and why we consider these things to reflect a lack of love but uh, these things uh, sometimes happen over a 
a process of many years. Uh, and so it's it's not necessarily an event. Uh, sometimes it's an accumulation of events that lead to this stage where people find themselves in a relationship, in a, in a marriage in which they realize that there is just no more love. And they begin to 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 exhibit one or more of these seven symptoms that we are going to be talking about today. You don't have to have all seven to be in a loveless relationship. But if you're experiencing any one of these seven things that we are talking about, it's a sign that you're in a loveless relationship. And uh, we're going to do uh, a a two-part show. We're going to be looking at these seven signs, but we're also going to be looking at... uh, some of the things that you can do if you find yourself in a loveless relationship to begin to rekindle love. And you're going to be very surprised that a lot of what we're going to be talking about in this show uh, is maybe in contradiction to some of the things that you felt were ways to rebuild love in a relationship. The studies are showing that it's not as simple as some of the steps that we take in Christian circles to rekindle love in a relationship. Um, and, and and Michael, I'm so glad how you've painted that picture so beautifully of where we're starting out. Um, because as you say, often we find ourselves in these situations not because of any one event, but an accumulation of things over time. And we start with this rosy picture, we begin our marriages, and sometimes things change. But I'm really excited to discuss with you these signs so we can identify them in our own relationships. And as you said, next week we'll go into how to get help if you find that you are experiencing some of these signs in your relationships. So to that end, what is one of the first signs that people may experience if they're in a loveless marriage? One of the signs that I see very, very often in my practice is people who will say to me that they feel a sense of relief when their partner isn't around. Or looking at that in the reverse, when their partner comes through the door at the end of the day, they feel a sense of dread or a sense of abode or just this wishing that the the partner would be out longer. And so some people in loveless relationship, they, they also... Uh, feel a sense of relief when their partner is on business trips, for example. And so it, it it's a time when they feel as if their stress is down, they feel as if they're happier, and they don't look forward to their partner coming back. Now, this is the opposite of what a love relationship should be. This is the opposite of what the relationship was in the early stages of the relationship. Because if you think about what things are like when you're courting, you want to see that person all the time. And you might not want to see the person to the same uh with, with the same uh, to the same extent during courtship, but it's very unhealthy if you find yourself in a relationship where you're finding you're find feeling a sense of relief when your partner is not around. So, what would be some of the reasons someone may be feeling that sense of relief when the partner's not around, and why is that different than someone who just? needs their space every once in a while. Yes. I think there is a sense in which in in, in any health relationship you sometimes want to have that uh that alone time or to do things with friends. There's nothing wrong with that. But when it becomes a general feeling where you're feeling 
you're feeling stress at the person being there or you're feeling resentment. And, and you asked a question about what are some of the reasons behind that. I think some of the reasons could be uh, on unresolved issues. A person might be carrying bitterness or there might be hurt that is that the other partner is not showing remorse or accepting responsibility for. It's very hard to stay to feel feelings of warmth and affection towards a person when there is unresolved emotional issues. And so this this feeling of wishing that they aren't around is that sometimes when there are unresolved issues, the very sight of that person is a trigger. The person comes through the door and it's a reminder, for example, that you have cheated on me and you have blamed me for it. Or it's a reminder that your your mother-in-law insulted me at the last Thanksgiving dinner and you stood there and you, you did nothing about it. And despite repeated dialogue about that situation, you refused to to take a stand to intervene on my behalf. So those kinds of unresolved issues can be at the root of this kind of feeling. What other signs have you seen in your practice when you have people coming to you in these type of situations? The area of intimacy, and I'm talking about sexual intimacy in this case, is is also an area that can be an indicator, not in all cases, but it's often a very common, a very a very strong indicator that there is problem there there is a problem in or are or there are problems in other areas of the relationship. So if you find yourself where you're feeling that intimacy is a chore and you're trying to avoid it and you're you're doing things to try to make sure that you don't find yourself in a situation where you could become emotionally vulnerable to your partner, I think it's important for you to stop and to ask yourself, what's going on? Why am I feeling this way? Because there are likely to be other issues that are driving this area of the relationship. So that's one of the the, the, the one of the stronger signs that there are there are problems in other areas of the relationship, and it could be a problem in the area of intimacy itself. There are many couples who they're having problems in in the area of sexuality, but there is no dialogue. They cannot talk about it. One uh, woman uh, said to me uh, some time ago. She said. I don't enjoy intimacy. I don't enjoy the way my partner go about it. But if I were to tell him, it would start a big fight. And so she dreads it. She 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 doesn't want to, to engage in it because it's not doing anything for her. But there is no dialogue. There is no communication because there is this, there is this, there is this uh, lack of communication. There is this fear uh, in this woman about talking to her husband. And so, if you find yourself where this is happening, you should you should ask yourself uh, what's behind it and try to resolve those issues. And this is what I'm finding interesting already in our conversation: is it's always trying to figure out that layer behind it. Because it's not as obvious necessarily as a symptom in and of itself. Yes. So what's another sign you see? Another very common sign is what we call in couples counseling or in counseling in general, triangulation. And triangulation is uh, a term that is used to, to describe a situation in which a couple is 
one uh, one our boat partner is now involved with someone or something else that is draining energy away from the relationship. So it could be an affair where one of the partners having an affair with someone else, but it could also be a relationship with another family member that is now taking priority above the the couple's relationship. The Bible talks about uh, a, a a man needing to 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 leave his his mother and uh, and father and to cling to his wife and the two becoming one flesh. So this one flesh relationship that the Bible speaks of cannot happen when there is a third party or someone else that is draining uh, is is draining energy away from. The relationship. If we see in the story of, of Isaac and Rebecca in Genesis 27 that both partners were triangulated uh, with, with one of the twin, one of the, the, the twins. So in the case of Rebecca, she was triangulated to Jacob and Isaac was triangulated unto Esau. And so you have this situation where there are, there are actually two triangles in that, in that home situation. And we see the deception that goes on between Isaac and Rebekah. We see, we see Rebekah deceiving, deceiving Isaac. We also see the unhealthy dynamic between the sons, between uh, Jacob and Esau, and the, the near tragedy that almost resolved in that situation because there was triangulation taking place. So that, in my mind, is one of the, 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 the couples in the Bible that I would say is a, a, could be seen as a loveless relationship because there is this triangulation. But I, I think triangulation can also be towards a thing, and it can be alcohol, it can be gambling. In the story of Abigail and Nabal in 1 Samuel 25, we have a, a, a situation there where Nabal was triangulated to alcohol. We see the story, if you read 1 Samuel 25, you see how he, or Nabal would drink and become drunk. And even to the point where there could be no communication in that story because she could not talk to him about serious matters while he was in that state of drunkenness. So that's the, that, those are two examples of triangulation, one, the Nabal and Abigail to a thing, and Isaac and Rebecca to another family member. If you've just joined us, you're listening to the Life Transformation Show. Today we're talking about signs you may be in a loveless marriage. If you've missed the first half of today's show, we encourage you to go to our website at elamcounselingministry.com. Elam is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. Or you can call us toll-free at one 877 544-3546, and we'd be happy to give you a copy of today's show. We also want to remind you that Elam Counseling Services is a nonprofit organization, and part of our ability to provide counsel- professional counseling services at a subsidized rate is due to generous donations from people like yourself. It also helps us keep this radio show on the air. So if you feel that you are led to give us a donation and to contribute to this worthwhile ministry, you can visit our website at elamcounselingministry.com for more information. 
We also want to remind you about the upcoming healing retreat we've been speaking about. It is going to be hosted the weekend of November 16th to 18th at Providence Point in Lanark County. And we have had such success and breakthroughs over the years, have we not, Michael, Absolutely. through these retreats? One of the, the, the success story that we have from the last retreat is a, a couple who attended this retreat and you know at the time of attending their their relationship was in, in a troubled state but this couple has restored their relationship they've renewed their vows and it's just such a testimony of what god can do in our relationship when we when we take it seriously and we don't bury our head in, in the sand and spiritualize the issues but deal with the real issues that are affecting the relationship so at these retreat we we don't spiritualize the issue we deal with real issues and we we we, we get couples to a place where they can solve those issues and they can move on in their relationship. So yes, if you're in a troubled relationship, this retreat might be for you, but it's not just a couple's retreat. If you if you are single and there are issues in your life, unresolved issues, it's important to, uh, this retreat is for you as well, and it's important to work through those issues. So if you want to get on the registration list, we encourage you to do it quickly because spaces are limited. You can go ahead and give us a call toll-free at one 877 544-3546 or you can check out that website at elamcounselingministry.com Again, Elam is spelled E-L-I-M Counseling with two L's ministry.com So Michael, we're about halfway through describing some of these signs that you may be in a loveless marriage. What's our next one? I think this is a very uh, tricky one because the 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 relationship might not have a lot of conflict and there might be no triangulation. The relationship might seem okay on the, on the surface, right? You get along, you, you seem to get along well, but the relationship could feel more like a business than a love relationship. So you're in the relationship and it becomes very, very, very uh, result-oriented. It's about doing things for the kids to make sure that they get to their games, or it's about running the family business. It's about making sure that the bills of the house is taken care of. But there is something that is really lacking in the relationship. There, there is no emotional connection. You have sort of drifted apart. And you, and one client put it this way. She said, "It seems as if we're." We are roommates. And she said it's even worse than that because even roommates, they, they do talk and, and there is, there is this, uh, you, you can have a roommate that you really talk about deep and personal things. But I would say we're even worse than being roommates because we don't talk anymore. Everything is, is, uh, is based on result-oriented efforts, like getting things done or running the house. But there is just no connection on the emotional level. I think that's so interesting because so often you hear how as couples and people, it's so important to have goals and to be driving towards common goals. And I guess what I'm hearing from you in that statement is there's a lot of people who have a lot of common goals they're working towards, but if you don't have that love and connection as part of that, 
Right. You can you can end up in this state even though your ship yes. is going in the same direction. Yes, and this is one of the mistake we make. Like we say, you know, our relationship is falling apart because we have no common goals. Uh, people in a business relationship have a lot of common goals. If you think about <laughs> the boardroom, you can't ask for more Sorry, common I, goals. I'm sitting than at that. a board table, so <laughs> right. I'm laughing and chuckling yes, right yes. now because yeah, there's a lot of business, a lot but, of business, a lot of common goals, and you're working together. But there's not a lot of love in the relational Absolutely. sense. Absolutely, <laughs> you could be. Competing <laughs> with each other and uh, some some relationship have common goals, but if you have one partner that is insecure, they might feel threatened by the other partner's success. And uh, we see that very often with men who they they have goals, and when the wife becomes successful in her endeavor, it, the relationships become the, the relationships relationship is challenged because they're not prepared emotionally to deal with that success. So uh, contrary to what many people think that if you have common goals, it's it's going to be a healthy thing. Uh, we are saying that from what from where I see with couples, that alone is doesn't do it. You need to have emotional connection because you can have goals. But if you have no emotional connection, and by emotional connection, I mean it has to be about speaking about the, the, the feelings, what it is that hurts you? What are the, 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 the issues that are unresolved? What happened on a day-to-day basis that that is pulling you apart? And if you're not talking about those things, it doesn't matter how many common goals you have or how much money you have or what kind of plan you have for retirement, you're not going to be happy. One woman said it this way. She said, we are very wealthy. We have, we, we have achieved a lot of our goals that we are set for life. But I dread go the thought of spending the rest of my life after retirement with my husband because we have nothing in common now that the kids are out of the house. And so it has to be more than uh, than just goals. Very powerful point. What are other signs that you see? One of the other signs that is very common is that you feel like you're walking on eggshells when your partner is around. And when this happens... Uh, you you can't feel a person can't feel at ease, and this could there could be a number of of, of reasons for that, right? You could have a, a partner that is a perfectionist. This is one of the things we see in 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 children who grow up in perfectionist household. They sometimes become perfectionists themselves. So the house could be ninety nine percent. Uh, perfect, but that one percent thing that is out of place becomes the topic of discussion. And so, in in a situation like that, the, the person is always uh, being reprimanded for doing something wrong. And these little things, the Bible talks about, it's the little foxes that spoil the grapes. Sometimes it's not the affair, it's not the the it's not the big issue. Sometimes it's the little things that we 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 stick on too much and too often that 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 create the death of the relationship and so if you're in a relationship where you feel like you're walking on eggshell all the time you should stop and think okay what it is that is causing me to feel this way and have a dialogue about it don't just put it away because you cannot have feelings of love and affection at the same time of feeling that you're on edge and stressed all the time yeah, that it's that honesty and the vulnerability that we need. Your next sign is very interesting to me. So I'm excited for you to share it and for us to have a moment to talk about it. Yes. This is a very common one unfortunately in 
in Christian circles, and it's going to make Christians sound like psychopaths. Yes, but, that's why I'm very interested in this one. But so. one of the common signs that I see is uh, Christians who are fantasizing about their partner's death. And this might seem very extreme, but it's actually quite common and they're not thinking like I'm going to kill my partner this yeah, is not people this is aren't not hiring no they're not saying women. I'm going to hire a hit person to kill my partner but because of how our Christian beliefs are where we don't believe in divorce and uh, in, in in a lot of cases and uh, if you divorce then you cannot remarry in some churches many Christians see death as the only way out and so they're not actively thinking that they want to hurt their partner, but they would think of how, how relieving this would be if the person were to pass away. And so this might seem weird to you if you're not in that situation, but let me say that many people have said to me, it's awful that I am saying this to you, but sometimes I see, I feel trapped. I feel as if this relationship has no hope, but I don't want to divorce my partner because I don't believe in divorce. And so sometimes I'm ashamed to say this, but I find myself thinking that death is the only way out of this mess, this situation this dysfunction that we are in. And that's what I think is so powerful about you and your the work you do, Michael, is because you do have that Christian lens and understanding that you can apply to a situation like this. And the logic holds true. If you think the only way you can get out of a relationship is death or um, an affair or something like that, which may have some other shame attached to it, you can right. see why that thought process makes a lot of yes, sense. Yes, yes, yes. What's the last sign that we see? The other sign that I see in in, in, the, in couples that, that come before me is this feeling of being lonely in your relationship. And again, there might not be a lot of fights that's going on, and you might even be doing things together in, in this kind of situation, but you can seem to shake that feeling of loneliness. So in this relationship, people will take the advice of some of the the, the, the popular uh, wisdom that's out there in, in, in Christian circles and, and do things like date nights. But let me say that just going on a date night is not going to solve your problem. And it's no wonder that many people who will make a pledge that they're going to be going on a date night once a month or or every two weeks, they end up not doing it. And it's not that they don't have time. It's that there are other issues in the relationship that is putting an emotional barrier between them. So that even a simple thing like a date night becomes a chore and it becomes something that's that, that, that subconsciously they're trying to avoid. Because if you have a partner that is is distant from you and you feel as if there is no connection and and sometimes it's it's emotional issues like one of the partner might uh, you know have what we call schizoid personality type like a, a schizoid personality type is a person who they're very detached emotionally they they don't show empathy quite easily they 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 are very awkward in social situations so many spouses who come to see me with this kind of partner says i am alone you know everything is is just very transactional and even if we go on date nights it does not 
nothing for me because even there I'm going to be miserable. So this feeling of loneliness is very hard to shake. So if you're listening to this show and you can identify with any one of these things that we have talked about, I want you to stay tuned for next week's show because next week we're going to be talking about what to do if you're in a loveless marriage, what to do. And yes, divorce is not the only way out. There is some things you can do if you find yourself in such a relationship. I've learned so much already, Michael, and I'm really excited for next week's conversation. Thank you very much, Melissa, and thank you for your questions. It was such a pleasure to have the opportunity to talk about this very important topic because many of our our Christian brothers and sisters uh, find themselves in these situations, and death is not the only way out. You don't have to be be thinking of that as an option, but there are actually things you can do. So uh, until next time, this is your host, Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Service. I want to thank you very much for listening to this radio broadcast. And remember that we are on the air next week at the same time, 9.30 every Monday morning. So this is your host, Michael Hart. And Melissa Waggett. Praying together that God would bless you in all your relationships and keep you sound in mind and pure in heart. Thank you.